Technology is advancing at pace across the energy sector. As we progress towards net zero, we want you to stay ahead of the conversation. Welcome to the Net Zero Technology Centre's podcast series, Transition Talks, where we'll be joined by industry experts at the forefront of the energy transition as we examine the challenge and explore the solutions. Hi, and welcome to the latest podcast in our Transition Talk series. I'm Graham Rogerson. I'm a Senior Project Manager here at the Net Zero Technology Centre. I'll be your host. Joining me today is Mungo McLeish, Director of Global Operations and Electrification from Neptune Energy, and Kenny Cunningham, Senior Project Engineer from Sealand Projects. During the session, we'll be discussing the Southern North Sea Asset Electrification Study, which looked at the potential to electrify an offshore platform with power from offshore wind. And we used the Neptune-operated Cygnus platform as a case study. The North Sea Transition Deal has set a target to reduce offshore production emissions by 50% by 2030. The majority of these emissions are a result of power generation offshore, and providing this power from offshore wind has the potential to deliver a large portion of these savings. It's important we deliver on the North Sea Transition Deal, and I hope you enjoy the upcoming discussion. A big part of what we do at the Technology Centre is around emissions reduction, emission reduction from offshore oil and gas operations. A large portion of that is to do with the power generation offshore and linking in low carbon power solutions to reduce our emissions. We have a fantastic opportunity in the Southern North Sea to look at that, and it's certainly because there's so much offshore wind in place and can be put in place, and this is what the study was really about. For Neptune, it's really about meeting the targets set out in the North Sea Transition Deal. Obviously, they're phased over a number of years, so it's our aim to meet those. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a number of ways to meet those. You know, we could go in a phased approach or we could go in a, a larger scale sooner. So at the moment, we're currently evaluating our options. One thing we definitely know, though, with the North Sea Transition Deal commitments is we need to do something around the power and the power demand and linking up low carbon power solutions into these platforms mm-hmm. is not going to be achieved by looking after our, our flaring or our venting. And it certainly plays a part, but it's the power demand that contributes something like 70% of the, of the total emissions. The, the study basically looked at taking a platform that we could get electrification to, a uh, way of providing that electrification and identifying various measure, methods as to how that could be implemented. And so the one we went with was the Cygnus platform in the Southern North Sea. And the main idea behind that one was its location in the Southern North Sea is quite close to a number of offshore wind farms, both in place and in development in that area. So we had just under seven gigawatts within 50 kilometers. Yeah, it's almost then, like a it's like a unique opportunity, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And so all of this power that's available, that seven gigawatts will be in place by 2030. And yet there's no access to just plug into it, as it were. So it was kind of exploring the opportunity within that as to how you could get access to that, how difficult or easy it would be to get that power connection. Yeah. Clean power supply. But we did look at a few options. So we went with 10 and then narrowed it down to four that were actually worth viable and worth going to. So that, yeah, the first six that we looked at, they weren't really feasible from an economic or a technical perspective. And there were four that still certainly had the challenges, but looked a bit more realistic and were making the most of the opportunity, particularly with the neighboring wind farms. Yeah. It 
is a unique opportunity, but it's not without its challenges. There's a sweet spot in the next few years between getting the technology and the integration of the power, but also with respect to the life of the assets. Yeah. And I speak in general terms for the basin, you know, we're quite a mature basin. And really the, the technical aspect is one and the, the economic one is another. And we need to address both if we're to be successful. Yeah, technically, what did we get out of the study? Some of the early ones that we discounted, the ones that perhaps from a very high-level perspective might have made sense, a power cable from shore, for example. You look into the economics of that and it's not viable for the amount of power that's going to be required for Cygnus. And like Mungo said, it is a, an aging basin and a lot of the neighbouring assets, they perhaps don't have that much life left in them that they would be interested in investing and sharing some of that cost. And at the same time, by the time it's anything like that was in place, then they might not still have that much time left that it's, it's worth a while either. What was really positive about the study and, and the collaboration that we saw was everyone was invested. You know, everyone knows this is a complex challenge to solve and it's going to take that collaboration and integration to be successful as a basin, as an industry and, you know, I thought the way that people engaged with this, the various stakeholders, was really positive and pretty encouraging. There's the, the technical side, which is really about getting the cable into an infrastructure that is older or not new. So mm-hmm. it's, it's the brownfield element versus the greenfield. Yeah. And the technical challenge that provides with limited footprint on the asset as well. There's the regulatory framework, which is very different from an offshore wind farm perspective compared to oil and gas infrastructure, as you know. And then there's the economics with respect to the relatively short period of life and the finite life that most installations have. I think any solution that anybody's looking at is economically challenging for sure. Mm. You just hear it again and again. As are, you're right, you know, this isn't unique to, to the Cygnus work we looked at, but yeah. the integration, the topside modifications, it's almost like you're really looking for a solution that minimise that, that impact, aren't we? Yeah, because you're, you're, you're dealing with operational assets. Yes. So, you know, as I think you said at the start, we're looking at power generation and we're also looking at compression being the key drivers for emissions. Yeah. So power generation is one thing, you know, plugging in a wind farm, as someone put it to me the other day, is seems to be relatively simple, which it was, but you know, that is relatively simple. Converting uh, a gas fueled turbine generator that is operating a compression skid is a little bit more complex and sure. there's significant availability impacts to the operating asset. Yeah. What we're seeing at the technology centre to help address some of that is, um, you know, the discussion around full electrification yeah. and partial, partial electrification. Yeah. Any thoughts or is that something? Yeah, we're looking can... at both options. Yeah. Obviously, partial won't get us the whole way to meet our, our commitments as per the North Sea transition deal. Sure. But it would be available in a shorter time frame, So it's advantageous. It also kind of, you know, it pushes us to take the leap. Because yeah. there is something here about momentum. And if you don't take the leap, then the longer term benefits will be further in the future. Another one of the technologies we've come across I want to touch on is energy storage. Mm. You know, short, medium, medium, long term. Is that, again, is that something either of you have, have seen or, or well, touched we on? Yeah, a chat with a lot of the supply chain and beta, and it does seem like the technology is 
starting to move that way, but at this point in time, it's just not at that level quite yeah, just yet. Yeah, still and low TRL level. And that's what kind of makes it difficult in tying into an offshore wind farm, and, and particularly within the study to put in a dedicated wind farm. And if you're just to take a number of air, if you take a 50% uptake of power from the wind farm, that means you've, you've almost got to double that to try and get your 100% of demand. And that's where partial electrification kind of comes in because it's not quite there yet now. If the battery storage was there so that when the wind is blowing, you have that supply and then you can keep it there, then you're laughing. Yeah, I think energy storage is critical to success. If we are to integrate with offshore wind, where you know the wind doesn't always blow, and if you have an alternative energy source, perhaps solar or tidal, you know that energy is intermittent. So energy storage provides a solution to that. Whether that is subsea hydrogen, whether it's long-term battery storage, whatever that looks like, um, it's key to this to provide the availability to our assets so that they continue to produce at high availability levels whilst changing their 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 energy source. So, Kenny, you led this study up and probably have a best feel for, for what it was telling us, what it was uh, you know, producing at the end of the day. Where do you think we're going to be going down the line? Do you think this is something that we're actually going to deliver in time for the North Sea transition deal? I think or, there's definitely uh, the appetite for it. And not just coming from Neptune, not just it's within industry. We've spoken to a lot of other guys who are looking at something similar within this. Um, and obviously in, in the North Sea and the Scottish sector, there's Intog as well coming in from Crown State Scotland. So That's right. opportunities there that are looking, maybe thinking outside the box a wee bit. I think there almost seems to be someone waiting to see who's going to take the first step, see how it works. Um, because there's definitely a lot of challenges here. Completed the study. Next steps for Neptune, next stages just now? Well, it's, it's our aim as a company to, to store more carbon than we emit by 2030. So in line with that, we're really looking forward to developing the concept for Cygnus. We have operations in Norway and in the Netherlands who have experience of, of electrification and decarbonisation. So really trying to take some of their learnings into the UK to enable us to get to the next step with our uh, development. Great, great. And can you touch on any of the work? You know, this, this has led into some of the work that, uh, through the OGA competition. Yeah, obviously we're working with Orsted, Goal 7 and Warley on electrification of an oil and gas facility. It's slightly different from the work that the Sealand study looked at or the Sealand project study looked at. It's really looking at the technical aspects associated with the hookup uh, to a wind farm, taking a couple of the concepts that were identified in the Sealand study and further developing them. Brilliant. So that we really understand the technical complexities, but also looking at the economic models that have the best potential to work for oil and gas installations, but again, Cygnus uses a case study. Fantastic. Thanks for listening to Transition Talks. You can listen to all podcasts at netzerotc.com forward slash podcasts, or you can subscribe to get instant access to all the new episodes before they drop. See you next time.